Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Energy costs continue upwards as the price increase continues to your fuel for your vehicle at the pump as well. There's the carbon tax uptick, which is going to increase the cost of fuel for trucks which deliver your goods. So perhaps some or all of this increase will be passed on to the consumer. Dan McTagg joins us, the president and founder of Canadians for Affordable Energy. How are you, Daniel? I'm fine. Happy New Year. Yep, yep. It, uh, hopefully it won't be an expensive one, but I think it's not. Well, I just saw um, a response to one of my tweets and uh, from Victoria, British Columbia. Gasoline there, $1.76.9 a litre this morning for regular. Yeah, an all-time record. Uh, I had been predicting Vancouver. Uh, Victoria, however, is a little bit of a different uh, fact. Um, I guess retailers there have decided it's okay to stiff the public for 14, 15 cents a litre as a retail margin. Uh, that's because Vancouver's taxes are 7 cents a litre more than, uh, than Victoria. And if Vancouver today is at $1.75.9, Victoria is $1.76.9, someone's pilfering the public in, and hopefully some listeners here in Victoria, uh, to the tune of eight or nine cents a liter minimum. So, uh, when we look at the provinces in which we broadcast, and let's go west to east, since we started with Victoria and Vancouver. So, uh, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario. Is there what's the range of uh, of fuel costs in the in the five provinces, Dan? So we're looking at BC interiors in the dollar thirty-seven all the way up to the dollar fifty-four range. Uh, the dollar thirty-seven Kelowna with the opening of a new Costco. Uh, Prince George, dollar uh, fifty-four, uh, Kamloops, etc. So yeah, if we look at Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, you're looking at about anywhere between a dollar thirty-seven and a dollar forty-one. Uh, and of course, uh, the the lower mainland, we're looking at uh, Vancouver, all-time highest prices ever paid. That did for Victoria at dollar seventy-five and dollar seventy-six. Of course, here in Ontario, one forty-three, uh, Quebec a dollar fifty, uh, and uh, the Maritimes. Broken up a little bit, dollar forty-three New Brunswick, dollar fifty-seven in Newfoundland. Uh, that's St. John's, a little higher outside, and of course uh, Nova Scotia at a dollar forty. Why? I mean, why the range? Why are we where? Why are we where we're at? I understand the carbon tax, and please fit that into your answer. But why? Yeah, I mean, look, there are different variations in carbon taxes, but it has a lot to do with uh, uh, various taxes. Um, taxes in uh, if you include the clean fuel standard. Which this in British Columbia, they're paying 17 cents a litre more than the rest of the country. Uh, we'll be catching up to them at some point because the federal Liberals will be uh, imposing that beginning at the end of the year, adding to the scenario that we'll be paying much higher for our fuel diesel prices uh, going into uh, the mid part and end of uh, 2022. Uh, that makes up part of the difference. And of course, uh, depending on the market, um, sometimes, I mean, there are three essential U.S. markets that dictate uh, and determine benchmark prices for Canada. Pacific Northwest, there's a shortage there as a result of a couple of refineries down. That's for Vancouver. 
There is the Chicago spot market for all of Western Canada, including a smidgen of Ontario, including Thunder Bay. And then there's the New York Mercantile Exchange. Some people call it the New York Harbor. That covers uh, really much the benchmark prices that we pay in Eastern Canada. Do you have an idea of where we're going to be like six months from now or a year from now? And I guess what I'm, at, what I'm at getting at here is the $2 leader in our future, in our not-too-distant future. Uh, it's going to happen because that's what Ottawa wants. Uh, the federal liberals uh, have us on a collision course to uh, have a carbon tax that will go to $0.38 cents a litre plus HST, GST. Uh, and, of course, on top of that, the hidden carbon tax, the clean fuel standard. By the way, no country in the world has two carbon taxes. They, it's inefficient. Even economists who are pro-carbon tax would tell you that's not the way to go about it. And then we've got a whole host of regulations over and above that. So $2 a litre, inevitable. Not this year, but I think this year we're looking at average prices. Now, that's average. That's including British Columbia, Newfoundland being the, you know, the, the high ones in Victoria and uh, the low ones, Alberta, Saskatchewan to a lesser extent, Ontario and Nova Scotia, we're looking at an average price in Canada this year, 2022, of $1.65 a litre, or a 20 to 25% increase in the price of fuel year over year. Well, we, came, we survived 2021. Here we are the first few days of 2022 looking at increased prices for gasoline and for heating our homes. So before we go further on what it costs us to fill our vehicles, what are we looking at realistically as far as electricity is concerned, or I guess natural gas still exists, what are we looking at as far as realistic price increases for energy, for electricity and natural gas to heat our, heat our homes in 2022? Yeah, well, it does depend on the province, but generally when it comes to natural gas and propane, uh, 2022 will be a doubling of the price of uh, mid-2021. So right from the get-go, whatever you were paying, short of the distribution transmission costs, uh, you're looking at a doubling. Uh, electricity, of course, will be fixed rates, but uh, we already know in several provinces those uh, prices are extraordinarily high and uh, much to do with previous government policies. Uh, but, of course, uh, one of the things that has not been lost on anyone looking at why we're where we are in terms of uh, the energy crisis globally, if you look in Europe, you've had many guests on uh, prior to uh, the new year uh, who are experts in this field. Uh, it's coming to Canada, not to the same extent, but when you have 10, 15, 20% of banks, financial institutions uh, taking money away from hydrocarbons at the very time in which the world needs more, you can see where you're creating a, a massive gap that not even OPEC can make up. And so for that reason, we're going to be paying a very, very significant price for this uh, unruly and perhaps, uh, to put it very bluntly, uh, this transition to green at a time in which uh, uh, it's certainly not justified. I, I spoke in the last hour with uh, Thierry Bro of the Sciences Po in Paris, oil and gas expert at the French Energy Ministry, who was in charge of security and supply for France. And it, we, we talked about uh, the reality in Europe now, where there's debate and fighting over whether nuclear energy is the way to go. Germany is closing its nuclear energy plants, turning back to coal. France is uh, turning back or turning more toward nuclear. And Professor Bro said, essentially, it is a political mess that's been engineered in this manner, and the people of Europe are paying the price for it. So we know in Kosovo there's been uh, rotating um, uh, brownouts. We see the situation in Kazakhstan, which at least in part is because of the increase in, in fuel prices. But, but he said, and uh, in an email to me earlier, he suggested that Kazakhstan and what you're seeing in Europe now could be just the first domino dropping. And will there be an impact on the rest of the world? He said, absolutely, yes. 
Well, he's right, and and this is uh, you know not lost on anyone this time last year. We're paying a dollar liter, dollar forty five, dollar forty four now, but it does suggest that there has been this this idea that we can uh, you know have these new mandates, and you hear them on insurance companies, financial uh, companies have been goaded into, they've been uh, uh, you know uh, derided into believing that we should take away our investments in fossil fossil fuels. And the reality is that the world is going to need more for the next 20 to 30 years. And that transition to electric vehicles and all these other wonderful things you alluded to at the be- uh, you know, before our break will not happen, not without a, a very large, significant number of people, referred to as the middle class, are badly hurt. And uh, I don't know how this is going to end, but it's extraordinarily short-sighted for the Liberal government uh, for uh, boosters of green energy who cannot exist without subsidies, massive subsidies, to continue to go to the well, which is drying very quickly at a time in which we don't have the ability to pay off our uh, you know, massive debts that we've incurred over the past couple of years, if not before. So I think, Roy, we're looking at an energy crisis of our own making. This isn't a supply and demand no. issue. This is really a, 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 you know, a, an attempt to vandalize a very important product that has helped uh, nurture affordability in Canada, and we've simply uh, taken it for granted and uh, looked the other way. We're going to pay for this, uh, and it's a very serious miscalculation, not just because of politicians, but voters who've supported them. Email from uh, Alan. Hi, Roy. I have yet to hear anyone really discuss what happens when we're all in electric cars and there's no more gas tax revenue. Where, <laughs> where's all that money going to come from then? $2,000 license plate stickers? Yeah, well, they're inserting in those cars, uh, you know, uh, data that will let them, you know, tax you on every kilometer you drive. Uh, but I can't suspect, I can't see that many people will have the ability to do that because they much less buy them without subsidies, only because the entire electoral, electrical infrastructure of this nation will have to be torn up, including your streets, uh, to make way for new transformers, uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, the ability to produce new electricity. And by the way, if you don't, think it's uh, an easy task in the trillions of dollars. Look at the cost overruns of the Muskrat Falls in Newfoundland. Look at the Site C Dam in British Columbia. These are colossal boondoggles. And yet we have people looking the other way saying, oh, no, this is the world of magic and make-believe. We can just let these things happen. No, I I suspect that uh, apart from the inefficiency and the economic, ecological damage that uh, making an EV battery does, I think uh, there's a day of reckoning, and it's going to come in 2022. Uh, so uh, sitting in my chair here, I don't have a major object- objection to uh, driving an electric vehicle. I'm not in any rush to buy one, uh, but I don't object to eventually having to, you know, have, having one in my driveway. So, But my concern, Dan, is as always it's the transition. It's moving from A to B and what happens in between. And it just seems to me, and what uh, Professor Bro told us as well, the infrastructure in Europe is suffering and struggling because they, they've relied far too heavily on quickly, too quickly moving to renewables, and now there's this gap. There's the de- delivery gap, and there's also a supply gap, and they experienced, uh, or 2021, they didn't get the amount of wind they expected, so the wind farms didn't collect as much energy That's as right. they expected. So there's a deficit there, so it's transitioned from one to the other, but how do you manage, how you manage the transition is what's critically important to every man, woman, and child in this country. We know that EVs are not as efficient as internal combustion engines. We know that they have a much larger environmental impact than internal combustion engines do. If we only look at emissions on the CO2 basis, that is, in my view, a very false uh, and uh, 
wrong way to approach the environmental concerns. I mean, look at China. Uh, look at the, the labor standards involved with extraction of uh, all of those rare earth minerals, cobalt, and the likes. Look, the world is going to have to produce more using more fossil fuels so that you can have an EV that you pretend to be uh, somehow environmentally responsible. It is not. Uh, you know, the polymers, the resins, uh, the fiberglass, uh, the coating for the uh, for the wiring, uh, the tires and the asphalt you're driving on are all fossil fuels. So I think we've got to stop kidding ourselves and, uh, and grow up and understand and start to deal with some facts. But the reality for me has always been if we mess around with affordability in this country, as we are so clearly doing, uh, the consequences are going to be enormous and they're going to be very, very long-lasting and very painful for the num- uh, large number of Canadians who right now have no idea how bad things really are. Uh, political price to be paid to. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.